Lock him up. The Trump Organization CFO is charged with felonies. The House has moved forward to start investigating 1-6. And the infrastructure deal, that almost wasn't. Hey, girls and guys, I'm Brandy with an eye, and this is Did You Hear the News? So if you want to know what this week has been like, let me just remind you that the Gulf of Mexico is on fire. The ocean. That about sums up this week. But we'll get down to brass tacks. So the president, (laughs) as I told you guys last week, came out and said, hey, we got an infrastructure deal. Everybody was excited. They were celebrating. And then, like, a few hours later, he came out in a press conference and was like, don't even bring me that ish if there is no reconciliation bill. (laughs) And immediately, Republicans were like, huh? Lindsey Graham was already given his remarks like, what? That was not a part of that deal. How could you have us? And I knew it was going to be some ish. So the deal almost fell apart as soon as it was announced. <laughs> so over the weekend, on that Saturday, the president had to issue a statement saying, hey, like, my bad if that came off a little strong. I wasn't trying to suggest that, you know, I was threatening to veto the bill or whatnot. And honestly, truly, in my mind, I was like, no, Joe, you said what you said, but I see what he has to do. Like, he has to walk a very fine line because the deal is already on rocky ground to begin with. Um, but after he came out and said that, like Mitt Romney, who, you know, once again is working on that bipartisan deal was like, no, I like fully trust the president and what he's saying. But Mitch McConnell was all like, y'all not going to get no support out of me until Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer walk back their comments. Because if you recall, I told you Nancy Pelosi also was like, I ain't put nothing up for a vote unless there's reconciliation. (laughs) (laughs) which once again, Nancy Pelosi has to do because you think that the margins in the Senate are slim and they are like 50-50 is very slim, but that is even more compounded in the House. They have, you know, about maybe what, like six more on the, the Democratic side. And so, and there are a lot of progressives, a lot of progressives in the House. So like Nancy Pelosi knows what she has to do to get her caucus to vote. She has to appease to both sides. And there, once again, those strong Democratic voices like um, Pramila Jayapal, AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, Mondaire Jones, Cory Bush... All of those guys. So, like, she knows what she has to do to get them on board. And it's the fact that (laughs) the bipartisan bill is already so trimmed down 
anyway, it's like literally the bare bones of the whole plan itself. And like I said, there were just so many things in that plan that it's like, why would we see you 10 Republicans agreeing or having 10 Republicans agree on a bare bones bill as a win? That doesn't make sense. So I really don't even know, once again, why Republicans were pretending like what was going on was so nefarious. Like, number one, if you want to support this bipartisan infrastructure bill, do that. Do that. But if you don't want to support the other reconciliation bill, don't. But the Democrats can very surely do it without you. They can do the whole thing without you. So at this point, it's like, I get why. I get it. Like, everybody, once again, is still holding on to this bipartisanship thing. It's such a big deal. I don't understand why. Republicans have never really cared about bipartisanship when they were in power. I don't understand why the Democrats have to be the ones to make sure that they can hold on to bipartisanship. When Republicans don't care either way, they use reconciliation to pass tax cuts. They never asked Democrats if they were okay with that. Mitch McConnell did everything he could to change the rules for filibustering when it came to judges, and that's how he changed that uh, rule for Supreme Court judges. And that's why you can get a Supreme Court through with just a regular majority. Like, and he didn't ask the Democrats if they were okay with that. He wasn't like, hey, um, Democrats, I got this crazy idea. Like, tell me how you feel about it. No, like, he does not consult with Democrats on anything ever. He does not care about really working with Democrats. I know that he likes to get up there and out his face, but he does not care. So I'm like, why are we fighting so hard? Joe Manchin and Kirsten Samuel to work with these Republicans just to get Five other Republicans, because once again, this bipartisan bill was made up by five Democrats, five Republicans. So we're going to break the entire bill down, pull out the bare bones, the minimum, to get five other Republicans on board just so everything else can fall by the wayside make it make sense like make it make sense i know that republicans are smarter than that so it's like why are you even trying to pretend that you thought like mitch mcconnell was really like oh i thought that you know if we gave y'all 10 measly democratic votes or this itty bitty pish posh applesauce type bill that y'all would not want to do all your other stuff (laughs) just because republicans basically sat around even when they were in the majority and had donald trump as a president and still didn't really pass anything but tax cuts and supreme court justices doesn't mean that the democrats don't want to do things that actually are going to help other people people who don't have money people who are working class like it I feel like I say this every week, but every week I'm mind blown. Like I'm perplexed. I'm just, I don't understand how you could say, well, we thought if we just threw the least amount of money towards roads and bridges, sprinkled a little broadband in there, gave y'all a little, you know, electric car 
stuff that you'll be okay and you want to do anything else. That's literally what these people are saying. Blows my mind. Blows my freaking mind. So, once again, the president had to backtrack on that. Whatever he said in his little statement was enough for those Republicans that were working on the deal to feel like, okay, we're cool. Um, But I just don't, (laughs) I'm not sure what's going to occur when it's time. And look, months, they have months to work on this. Like it's probably not going to be until like September before like these actual bills are realized and start like hitting the floor for discussions and stuff like that. The, the bills haven't even been written. Okay. So it's like, once again, the bipartisan agreement or plan or whatever is a framework. They haven't even started writing out the bills yet. That's number one. And then on top of that, like they haven't really started hashing out the reconciliation plan either. So it's just like, I get everybody is like, oh, well, we don't want to be bamboozled, but there is time. There is time for all this stuff to be figured out. And Joe Manchin, of course, like I said, is like, he has already said he's okay with reconciliation. What he's concerned about is the price. That's what a lot of moderate Democrats are concerned about is the price. Now, Bernie Sanders... (laughs) is the one who's working on this reconciliation bill and the things that will go in it. Now, Bernie usually has high hopes. I think the last dollar amount I heard was like $6 trillion. I think he knows $6 trillion is never going to fly, even on the Democratic side, especially with moderates. Uh, so at some point, I've heard some people say $2 trillion. I've heard some people say 4 I feel like 4 is probably going to be that middle ground. That's that give or take, honestly, uh, between $2 million and $6 million. I mean, trillion. So uh, we'll see. Once again, like I said, they have a lot of time to... Well, I don't want to say they have a lot of time, but their goal is probably not even till around like that September time frame. So technically they have some time to hash out uh, the bills and how they're going to work and how they're going to maneuver it. But once again, like I said, I know that Nancy knows she can't just put down that bipartisan infrastructure bill and expect her progressives in the caucus to be like yeah sure absolutely we're we we love it like because they don't they don't the point is that he took the infrastructure parts out of the american jobs act basically they took the infrastructure part out of that and left everything else and those are still things that joe biden wants to see realized there are still things that progressive support that would help people there's still the conversation about paid sick leave paid family leave um put money towards child health care money i mean not child health care but um daycare um preschool all of that stuff like all of that stuff we want to see realized so it's like why would we be like yeah let's settle for having 10 republicans agree on the bare bones of infrastructure to make us feel good when we literally have roads and bridges buckling 
every day, especially in the West Coast right now, who's which is experiencing ridiculous heat waves like never seen before. Like temperatures they've never, ever recorded. And like we're supposed to be okay because you decide to put some money in the infrastructure. Like, no, that's the bare minimum. That's the that's the least you can do is put in some more money towards the infrastructure and actually get things done. So no, like, no, I'm, we're not going to settle is basically what, you know, the House Democrats are saying and Chuck Schumer as well. Um, I really, I would just love to see them write in something about these student loans. I just would love, <laughs> I just want them to sneak it in because at this point, President Biden is just not trying to do it by executive order. And I feel like Lizzie and Chuck need to, to figure something out at this point because September is approaching. And if they don't extend this moratorium on these student loans, I really don't know what to tell them. I really don't even know what to tell them. Great Lakes call me. I don't really have nothing to say. But anyways, so that's where infrastructure is. And <laughs> this week has been so long, it feels like that it was a world away. That feels like that was like a month ago. So let's move on to the vice president. <laughs> so she went on a trip to the border last week. Once again, like I said, went off pretty swell without a hitch. Good for her because her trip to Guatemala, Mexico was, there was some some stuff with that one. But last trip, she didn't really say anything crazy. Went off without a hitch. She comes back. Next thing you know, this week, it's reports about her workplace just being just toxic and There's all this infighting and just people are so upset and this, that, and the third. And like when you read the headlines, you'd be like, hmm, that's crazy. But then you read the actual article and you'd be like, now, come on. Come on. (laughs) So Politico put out this article and they, you should have, you should know it's some ish when you see. 22 sources like and they're unnamed sources and there's nothing there's nobody speaking on the record it's just you know 22 different people have told us and and when you say i feel like i've said this on the show before when you say you know anonymous sources or or you know we we spoke we did interviews with 23 different anonymous sources that could be anybody. That could be somebody who's heard about what's going on in office. That could be, oh, my friends, uncles, sisters, cousins, fathers, brother-in-law's niece works near that environment. And she had like, it, it, come on now. So anyways, Politico basically was like, well, we talked to all of these people and they said that it's just a lot of fighting and people are upset and, you know, the office is just in disarray and it's all Tina Floor Noy's fault. <laughs> so Tina Floor Noy, 
I hope I'm saying her last name right, is the chief of staff for VP Harris. So one of the major complaints was that Tina Fornoy is doing her job. (laughs) Tina's doing her job. Basically, the chief of staff, I don't know if you've ever had one. I surely haven't. Um, is the person that is supposed to act as the buffer. Like, they're supposed to make sure your circle is tight. The information that you need gets in. The information that you don't need stays out. Like, and that's basically what she was doing. But apparently, the people with money were getting mad because she's doing it too well, I guess. I don't know. But basically, the donors that have donated to uh, VP Harris's, like her Senate run and her, you know, failed presidential bid and, you know, maybe her VP run, they have been trying to contact her, I guess, to discuss like policy issues. And they get directed to Tina and then Tina will direct them elsewhere. And they're not they're not happy about that. They want direct access to the vice president. Now here's here's the thing that was surprising to me because I was like, maybe I don't know enough about politics and how things work. But when you become a vice president, like I don't I don't feel like everybody should have the same access like when you when you go from level to level i feel like there's just gonna be certain levels of access you're not gonna have to somebody number one let alone the vice president of the united states like it's not like homegirl is just kicked her feet up on the desk and she just forwarding all her calls to tina like she's working (laughs) And she's got some of the most interestingly challenging tasks. Like she's got the, you know, the border situation and the root causes of migration and all that. She's got the voter situation. Like She is working on some sticky things. Why do you think you can just call her up? on any day anytime so that got me wondering like is that something you can is that something you can do and that's why i feel like dark money should not be in politics because if you give money to somebody and then you feel like you have to have a certain level of access to them like that that concerns me because once again she's the vice president of the united states but anyway so tina flornoy was like you not getting up and through here I don't think so. And apparently that has made people upset. Um, And that has made them feel like, you know, the vice president's unreachable and this and the third. Another one of the issues that came up, it just, just seemed like people's egos. Like people were like, this job's a lot harder than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be mad fun. And it's not. <laughs> That's basically the gist of the rest of the complaints is that like we're in an environment that's more stressful than we thought it would be and we don't like that 
And so we're going to complain. Like, and I guess they're like maybe getting snippy with one another because of that. And then that's probably leading to some turmoil in the office. But it's like, once again, you work for the vice president. Why do you think that, number one, it's going to be an easy job. And number two, like, your ego's the most important. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> they even had, they had quotes from Simone Sanders in the article, which was, I, I thought it was interesting because they didn't make anything that Simone said a, a headline. You know, they just went with those 22 anonymous sources. But Simone was like, listen, we're working a job. It's not always rainbows and butterflies. It's compromise. And I don't know what to tell you. Like, if you thought that this job was going to be easy or if there's something that is upsetting you about this job, there are more than enough ways for you to come internally and raise your issues. Not go to Politico as an anonymous source so that they can write a story from 22 different anonymous sources who... Are a lot of probably are operating on hearsay, so it's just interesting. Like, and then stuff like I guess when she went to Guatemala and Mexico, there were some people who weren't made aware of that, and they didn't like that. Like, they felt blindsided. They felt like, I guess, like if someone asked them a question and and they basically said like, well, VP's not focused on that right now, or VP will do that in due time. And then next thing you know, there's an announcement that she's going to Mexico and Guatemala. To them, that kind of felt like you had me out here looking crazy, which I can kind of understand. I guess that's a valid complaint. However, I would just chalk that up to like, maybe that's just not something that I should be announcing. Maybe that's something that she wants to announce or she wants some a certain specific member of her communications team to announce. Maybe that's just not something that I should be announcing. So maybe I didn't need to know. Like that wasn't need to know information for me. I can't say. Maybe they should have known. Maybe they should have known and the communication, there was a breakdown there. Either way, it doesn't seem like the way to get the change you want is to go to a news outlet and just vomit all of your grievances, right? Unless these people have tried to do that already and they've tried to come forward and say, listen, like, this is these are the issues I have, blah, 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 and they're, they're being met on deaf ears. But that's not, that's not what I got from what I read. It was basically like, yeah, girl, like, I am so sick of this job. Let me tell you why. Like, people were venting and they just took it and was like, oh, there's just tons of issues. And then on top of that, <laughs> then the White House had to basically come out and be like, listen, listen, we have all the faith in Kamala and her team and, you know, Ron Klain, who is the chief of staff for President Biden, had to be like, listen, Tina knows what she's doing. She's equipped. Like, and I have to, I have to ask and I have to think and I have to wonder, would it be the same? And y'all gonna be like, Brandy, do we gotta go there? And yes, we do. 
Would it be the same if Tina were white and a male? Because how often did you really hear anything about what was going on in Mike Pence's office? And I know that was a mess. And y'all know it was a mess too. But how often did you hear anything about any turmoil going on in his office? Even the former president. How often did you hear? And that was a mess. Okay, that was a hot mess. But you didn't have full, and I don't recall, full think pieces about how the inside is just in turmoil. There's There's infighting, all of that. Like, I don't recall that being a huge deal. And I don't recall people going, the chief of staff is keeping me away from the president. Like, let this woman do her job. The people who know what the job should be and the qualifications for the job say that she's doing a great job. Who am me? Who am me? To be sitting here saying, no, she's doing terrible. Like, or staffers who just feel like they should have a certain level of access or or donors who feel like just because they gave money to something or someone and supporting them means that they should be able to influence policy. I know that's why y'all do it. We all know that's why y'all do it. But like to hear in basically an article that, That's why the donors are mad because they can't get on the phone to get in her ear to influence. Tina Flournoy was even like, hey, like if you if that's your concern then you should talk to like our policy advisors, they will be the ones helping. And they're like, no, 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 no. One time the VP. What? I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I'm. It's not like I'm going to say I was naive enough to think that that's not how it goes. But. Just to hear, <laughs> to read in that article that, that the donors are like, well, we can't get her on the phone. We have policy concerns. I was like, oh, no. I don't like that. Uh, publicly funded uh, elections and candidates because I'm sick of it. I don't like it. So all in all, I'm sure that maybe there are some grievances in uh, VP Harris's offices office like when are there never grievances in the office when you're working with a bunch of people when you have all these different personalities when some people think that they're more important than they actually are there's there's gonna be there's gonna be some grievances and there might be some tensions but uh, if I had to guess it's probably getting a little overblown um because once again this is the first woman vice president with a woman chief of staff and i'm guessing everybody just thought it would just be a different workplace maybe than the boys club and it's still you're dealing with the same issues and the same type of struggle so best of luck to them people (laughs) really all i can give them Um, because everybody deserves to have, um, a comfortable workplace, but everybody also did not sign up to work in the office of the vice president. I also, I also saw that some people might have been upset because they wanted to actually be like in the white house in the West wing. And instead they got like 
their own VP's office team. And I was just like, you know what? You got a job. You got a job, though. So I just, good luck to them people. I'm sure they'll be fine. Well, 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 it finally happened. It finally happened. They did a vote in the House Select Committee for the 1-6 investigation is moving forward. It has been approved. It has been voted on. Only two Republicans. (laughs) Only two Republicans voted for the select committee and as you might have guessed that were that they were um Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. Adam Kinzinger who was in the military whose family wrote an op-ed and said he was really embarrassing them and they just couldn't believe it. And Liz Cheney, you know, of the Cheneys who was removed from her committee assignments or her number three spot as a Republican. Uh, in the house was removed from that because she just could not play along with this. Donald Trump was the real winner stuff. So those were the only two Republicans that voted for it. And then can you imagine what happened the next day when Nancy Pelosi came out and introduced everyone besides Liz Cheney, who wasn't there? but also said that Liz Cheney had accepted her invite to be on the committee. Oh, oh, we'll get back to that. So Nancy came out, did a little press conference. was like, listen, I hate to have to do this, but it's got to be done because I gave Republicans what they wanted. Kevin McCarthy would not accept yes for an answer. And here we are. You guys don't want to support it. So we got to do what we got to do because we need answers. And I was like, yes, Nancy, yes. Like, I agree. So once again, the breakdown for that committee is supposed to be eight Democrats or people appointed by Nancy Pelosi and then five appointed with the consultation of Kevin McCarthy. Now, is that going to happen? We don't know. Because Kevin McCarthy is just acting like this is just a gross miscarriage of justice. Like, it's just a Democratic witch hunt, you know, which is what they're trying to use. Um, There's just no reason that this should be happening. There's no reason that he would even want to actually play along or cooperate. And I think that's because, you know, he's going to be subpoenaed. And it is what it is. So eight appointed by Nancy, five appointed with the consultation of Kevin McCarthy. Who knows if that's going to happen? It came out that he actually threatened members of the House to strip them for for their committee assignments um, (laughs) if they agreed to be on this committee. So I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know if Nancy's just going to have to appoint five other people herself or what but you know because we can't be adults heaven forbid we be adults and try to figure this thing out because it's going to happen it's going to happen why not try to at least put some people on there not no jim jordan 
or no Matt Gates or no Marjorie Taylor Greene. But why not try? Why not try? Because they're not smart. But anyways, so she came out. She introduced the members. Benny Thompson is going to be the um, committee chair. Uh, like I said, Liz Cheney's going to serve on the committee. Jamie Raskin, y'all know I enjoy Jamie Raskin. He was like the lead impeachment manager for impeachment number two. Um, and he really did his thing. And so I have been a fan of him ever since. So he was there and he's going to be on the committee. Uh, we also have a House member who is former military, one who was um, actually in the intelligence community. So. I think it's going to be a good gang of people. Uh, Adam Schiff, who is on that House uh, Judiciary Committee, he's going to be on there as well. So good group of folks. Once again, I don't know how the other five are going to to be appointed because Kevin McCarthy is just up and decided he would rather not. He just would rather not. Meanwhile, Republicans are at the border with someone who was rioting the Capitol on January 6th. So as you can imagine, that's probably why they don't want to have anything to do with the select committee (laughs) on January 6th. Um, Kevin McCarthy came out the same day, a little bit after Nancy Pelosi to give his comments and take questions. And he basically said a whole bunch of hullabaloo about as a caucus and the minority leader, Republicans in the caucus usually get their assignments from him. So he just couldn't understand. (laughs) He couldn't understand how Liz Cheney could accept an assignment from someone else, Nancy Pelosi, um, and not the leader of her caucus. Um, And then he goes, but I guess she's closer to her than she is to us. And you know, you know what he's trying to do. Like you can see it. Now that Liz Cheney is on the committee, people are like, hey, it's bipartisan. Like it's a bipartisan committee now because she was asked, she accepted. It's not just Democrats. There's a Republican there who wanted to be there. It's bipartisan. But what he's trying to do is make it so that any Republican that serves on the committee, they're viewed as closer to the Democrats than they are to the Republican caucus. Watch it. You got to watch how they play it because they're so sly. They're so sly with it. I guess she's closer to them than us. It's like some of us really just are tired of the lies and of having to keep up the lies. It ain't never been me. It's it's never been me having to keep up these lies. But like at this point, it's like just investigate what happened. I don't even understand. I don't understand. I do understand Republicans are definitely at fault. Some of them are definitely at fault. So I do understand. But it's like 
the more you resist, the worse you look. Like the more that you try to twist and turn your way out of the facts of what happened that day, like the worse you look, the worse you look. New York Times, I think it was, put out like a comprehensive video of (laughs) what happened that day. And it's 40 minutes and I watched all 40 minutes of it. I mean, every last second of it I watched. And it's amazing. It's amazing to see the groups of people that were already conspiring because they had already headed to the Capitol. They weren't even paying attention to the speech or they were at the speech and they left it early because they already knew they were about to cause issues at the Capitol. They had walkie talkies like they were communicating with one another they were using different channels of communication they knew what they wanted to do they even said in some of their videos what they were supposed to do even though others were like Shh, don't say that on video but it was too late they already called them they knew they were going to the capitol to cut the fool now do i think the former president incited it yes because number one he knew what he was doing by lying to his base for the months leading up to the election. And then he continued to lie to him after the election. So yes, there were people that conspired to do it beforehand. But I also think that there were people that just were like, oh, this is happening. And I got to be a part of this because the president said so. Like, I might, it might have crossed my mind. Like, I, I might have thought of it. But now that the president has said, do it. I'm all in. Like, (laughs) and these people were talking about a normal tourist visit. When these people were breaking in the windows, were outside fighting. The video was wild because you don't even think about the fact that there are literal people walking, busting up, walking in and through the Capitol but there are still officers outside fighting for hours. Have you ever had to fight anything for hours? I can't even fight sleep. So imagine me having to be outside fighting an angry mob for hours, hand-to-hand combat. Like, none of us are equipped like that. None of us are really equipped to fight for hours. And that's what these people were doing. While other people were inside storming through the Capitol, yelling, hang Mike Pence, where's Nancy Pelosi, trying to get the AOC. Like, and you're talking about a normal tourist visit while you were helping barricade doors and you were on the ground trying to hide. And they showed the moment that Ashley Babbitt, and oh my God, this has been blowing my mind. But now there's like this, this push to make Ashley Babbitt this victim who was a hero, who was murdered, and they want to know who who was the officer that shot her. And I'm like, there's literally video. They say she was ambushed. No, she was not. No, she was not. She was trying to break into an area where members of the Congress were. And there was a gun and the man said, 
back up, back up. And somebody else, he's got a gun. He's got a gun. But she did not listen. And she tried to climb, she tried to climb through that window. And she got shot. God rest her soul. But she, <laughs> she, she was not innocent. She was not innocent. And it's just blowing my mind that now there's like this push to make her a martyr and to vilify the cop who was just doing his job trying to keep members of Congress safe. By the same members of Congress he was trying to keep safe. I just can't even believe it. That's why I just want Nancy to say, if it all, y'all get in here, investigate what you need to investigate, subpoena who you need to subpoena to testify, because it at this point, um, we don't even want to hear none of that. I don't want to hear none of that. I want some partisan witch hunt. And I don't want to hear none of that at this point. And nobody else does either. Anybody with sense is like, no, we're moving past that because no. But that's how the former president is trying to spin everything. And we'll definitely get to that later. Let's keep it on house business for just another second. <laughs> About 40 House Democrats are calling on Kevin McCarthy to do something about Marjorie Taylor Greene and her dangerously ridiculous rhetoric. So, Marge came out at a rally that the former president was holding, his revenge rallies that he's hosting now. She was at one of his rallies and she was just talking crazy outside of her neck. Of course, she came for AOC again. She was calling her a little communist and somebody yelled, lock her up. And she's like, yeah, let's do that. And it's just like, <laughs> this woman is really crazy. Now, AOC played it off and made a funny and like retweeted it and was like, well, first of all, I'm taller than her because, you know, she called her a little communist. But, it, at this point, it's not cute. It never was cute. But if you thought it was cute before, like it's not cute anymore. When the FBI and Homeland Security is telling you that white supremacist violence is like a ridiculous threat domestically. And you already know that she's one of the easy targets, AOC, for hate. And vitriol for these incels who think it makes them a man to hurt women. Why would you go out and call her things like a communist if you didn't want harm to come to her? Now, besides the fact that Marjorie Taylor Greene gets her popularity from this and her money from this and her donations from this, other than that, Though, like, at what point do you have to be okay with yourself if something happens to this young lady? At what point do you have to say, enough is enough. I already came out and said ridiculous things about the Holocaust. Maybe I should lay low. At what point do you say, you know what? I'm the one who is always accosting my co-workers and making their workplace environment feel unsafe at what point do you say 
I was wrong about all of these conspiracies and it was not Jewish space lasers that caused the California wildfires. Like what at what point do you look at all of that stuff and just not be like, maybe I need to get it together. But whatever. Power's a heck of a drug. So yeah, the they're calling on McCarthy to do something. Now, will he do something though? <laughs> Kevin McCarthy will threaten to strip the committee assignments of anyone who serves on the select 1-6 committee, but he won't do anything about Marjorie Taylor Greene, who has been a nuisance to her co-workers from the beginning, even before she was actually a member of the House, when she went to AOC's office and verbally accosted her staff. You won't do anything about the fact that Matt Gates is literally under investigation for pedophilia and sex trafficking. You don't remove him from his committees. Jim Jordan has been accused of knowing that students at his college that he worked at when he was a coach were being sexually assaulted and molested and he did nothing. And he's on the house. I Kevin McCarthy does nothing about these people. Nothing. They can act as crazy as they want. They can do whatever they want. He won't do anything about them. But let somebody just serve on the committee where they're trying to find the truth about 1-6. And he wants to take all the... Make it make sense. Make it make sense. And once again, like I said, Republicans, literally Lauren Bobart, who is the other crazy uh, alongside Marjorie Taylor Greene, is taking pictures at the border with someone who rioted the Capitol on 1-6. Can you imagine? Just try to wrap your head around if AOC... Or Rashida Tlaib or Ilhan Omar. If any members of the squad, especially the members of color, were to take a picture with a rioter or insurrectionist or a terrorist, oh my God. She already calls them, Marjorie Taylor Greene already calls them the jihadi squad or something like that. So it's like, but you're the ones who are hanging out with actual terrorists. Marjorie Taylor Greene says she would serve on the 1-6 Committee Houseway. Your bestie was at the Capitol riding. He was the one who came out and was like, now, I seen that they're trying to blame Antifa and BLM, but uh, these, we were very clearly Trump supporters. We were support. We, because I was there. There's video. We were Trump supporters. It wasn't anybody else. It was just us. Marjorie Taylor Greene's bestie. She, she's been in videos with him. She's traveled with him. She spouts all her conspiracies with him. That's her bestie. Saying that he was trespassing in the Capitol on 1-6. And she thinks she should be on the select committee. Y'all got to give me a break. Y'all just got to give me a break. Because I'm so tired. You got, Please give me a break. I'm tired. I'm tired. 
<sighs> so that's what's going on in the house in fighting. <laughs> nah, um, well, yeah, possibly. I, I, I'd say it was in fighting, but um, those people don't like each other, and I understand why. I understand why. I understand that you can have policy disagreements, and you can say, "Hey, like, I think that we should tax." the wealthy and the other person say no i think we should tax the brokies that's a that's a disagreement when it comes to policy but when it comes to you are saying that i should be killed or you are holding a gun beside a picture of me or you are coming to my office to harass me or you are chasing me out of the house floor like at a certain point it's harassment and those are hostile work environments. And her co-workers are, have had enough. So good for them. Good for them. In real quick news from California. <laughs> Governor Gavin Newsom will be facing a recall. They have set the date. It will be September 14th, if I'm not mistaken. September 13th or 14th. And um, <laughs> he is currently suing his Secretary of State because he wants to get his party affiliation on the ballot. I think something happened when he filled out his original paperwork and he didn't put Democratic Party or whatever. And um, he, when he turned it in, it didn't have that on that. And now he's trying to sue so that he can have Democratic Party added to the recall ballot. I don't know why that is so serious to him or, you know, what the big deal is, but that's what he wants. So whatever. So that's what's going on with that. It's going to be an expensive endeavor. I hate it for them, but they got money. So if I were Gavin Newsom, I would say, is this how y'all really want to spend hundreds of millions of dollars? You know that every time we have extra money, we send y'all checks. I just sent y'all out checks. We had a surplus. I sent y'all some money. Don't y'all like free money? Like, that's what that's what he should say. <laughs> like, do you want these people? Do you want Caitlyn Jenner, who says that we should deal with homelessness by gathering all the people up and taking them to a big field? Look that up. She did say it. I'm, I'm not making this up. He should basically play off of all of that. I got y'all back open. I was we were the first state to open up. We got more people than, than almost anybody in this nation, and we were the first state to open back up fully. I got y'all extra money because we had a surplus. Even even in a pandemic, we had a surplus enough for me to send y'all checks. What do y'all not want from me? I know I made a mistake. I know I told y'all not to go out and I had dinner, but look at us now. We flourishing. We flourishing. That's what I. That would be my pitch. Like that. That's how I would come about it. But at this point, I don't know how many people are going to be on the ballot, which is probably what's a concern for him. When you start splitting those votes, it's probably why he wants it to be very clear: Democratic Party on his ballot. But I thought that I read that the ballots would say, like, "Do you want?" to recall the governor yes or no and then if you put yes you can choose who you want to take their place so to me i feel like why even why does it even matter but i guess he wants i guess he just wants it to say like do you want to recall gavin newsom democratic party in parentheses i don't i don't know but 
Best of luck to him in all his endeavors. I don't know if he had to sue his secretary of state, but if you feel like it's that serious, then whatever, Gavin. Do what you got to do to stay. Um, I wish him all the best for real because the last time California had a recall election, this is only its second. The first time that happened, uh, they ended up with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I ain't going to say he was terrible. Apparently, he was much better than the governor he replaced. But I'm just saying, like, do y'all really want Caitlyn Jenner as a governor? She has no, no grip on what it means to not be wealthy with a plane hanger. She wants to send she wants to send homeless people out to a field. So anyways, good luck, Gavin Newsom. Um, he's a handsome man. I think he's been doing well, I don't think he should win because he's handsome. I was just calling out the fact he's a handsome man. And I think he's been doing pretty decent for California. So all the best to him, Gavin Newsom. <sighs> Someone who look is just not being a lady for tonight is the CFO of the Trump Organization. So there have been whispers, murmurs, flat out screams about the fact that the Trump Organization was likely going to be indicted and also the CFO of the Trump Organization, Alan Weisselberg. So this week... And I mean, they weren't quiet about it at all. They up until the very minute <laughs> that this man was charged, they were like, oh, it's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it's going to happen tomorrow. You know, he. this is what's this is what's happening. This is the time. Stay tuned. If it was a pay-per-view event, I think the people would have paid for it. But anyways. So Adam Weisselberg, the Trump organization CFO turned himself in on Thursday morning after Thursday night it was basically formally announced that he was going to be charged so he turned himself in he's like I'm not even gonna play these games he walked right up into the courthouse and then later that day around about 2 30 3 o'clock in the afternoon he was like charged my goodness y'all 15 felony counts 15 of them i wouldn't even want one i don't even want a misdemeanor this man got 15 felony counts and they include conspiracy grand larceny and basically just fraudulent business (laughs) so the findings of this first set of charges because let me be clear. The Manhattan District Attorney has said he's not done. It ain't over. It ain't over, he said. And Letitia James was like, I don't know what y'all thought it was through because I'm still working on some things. So for this first round of charges, the Trump Organization, Trump Payroll, and Adam Weisselberg are being charged. I think the Trump Organization is being charged with 23 counts. Um, while Weisselberg is um, being charged with 15. And basically what they found is, <laughs> this is how rich people scam. I want y'all to pay close attention. This is what I'm talking about when I say rich people need to pay their taxes the right way. So Adam Weisselberg was working for Trump. 
So basically, imagine that you have a job and you are set to make $80,000 in salary. Okay, your salary is $80,000. Now imagine only $50,000 is reported as income. And the rest of it is given in corporate perks like apartments or cars or gifts. And that's deducted from that 80K. So that's why only 50 is reported as income and the rest of it is not. That's illegal. Because the issue is the Trump organization and I guess Trump payroll or whatever is not reporting that other $30,000 as payroll so they're not paying payroll taxes simultaneously the person who's getting that benefit is only listing $50,000 as taxable income while the other 30 goes untaxed as income and that's where that's legal right so apparently adam weiselberg and before i thought it was like raises and stuff but it turns out it's like full on income basically donald trump had like or the trump organization was paying for like his apartment in upper east side and if y'all watch gossip girl y'all know that's where the money resides so he was paying for like an apartment there with garage fees, all of that. He leased two Benzes for Weisselberg and his wife. He paid over $350,000 in tuition for two of his grandkids. I was like, I want to see the breakdown on that because that's some very expensive schooling. But he paid that much for the grandchildren's school. And it had just bought him like furniture and stuff for like his home in Florida. Weisselberg's home. So basically, they were saying, we're going to put this much as income. The rest of it, I'm going to give to you off the books, off the table. And neither of us are going to pay taxes on it, basically. And that's how they scammed. They schemed and they scammed. So, yeah, apparently that's those are felony items. And uh, so that's what Wasberg is being charged with. Um, right now, Donald Trump is not being charged. The children are not being charged right now. There's a co-conspirator one or unindicted co-conspirator one is listed in the paperwork. Many people thought that was Trump, but it's actually someone else. I think his name's um, Joey McConnell or something like that. He's actually the unindicted co-conspirator one. Donald Trump's not listed. The children aren't listed. However, like I said, the DA says they're not done. Letitia James is not done because hers is a state investigation. And I have to imagine that whatever is going on with that, those charges is probably going to 
bleed into that same investigation. I'd have to think, but I'm not sure. Here's the question. Will Weisselberg flip? Because if I'm not mistaken, I think they said that those felony counts could be like upwards of like 20 years in prison or something like that. Uh, first of all, I don't want to do a one. I don't want to do a one year in prison. So I don't know. And this is an older gentleman and he has said he, he has put in a plea of not guilty. He said he's going to fight the case. Uh, I think that they are feeling like because this is not a case that they feel is normally tried in court they feel like they can win it i don't know but i'm like if these people got the proof that that's what you're doing and it's a felony why would you think that that's easy to beat i don't know i don't know what his lawyers told him they know more about the law than i do but obviously so does Cy Vance. So that's what he's been charged with. We're still waiting to see if anyone else be charged. That unindicted co-conspirator one, who knows if like he, you know, basically gave information. That's why he wasn't charged. I don't know. Apparently they got a lot of information, um, I think from like aides and people in the company that worked there. So I'm not sure. I know that they continue to work with his ex-daughter-in-law. I don't know why, but she is just so funny to me because she pops up on any news outlet that gives her a ring on her silly, and she is there. So she has said she's been working with the prosecutors and she's giving them all the information she can give them. She'll possibly testify. She still has to move out of her apartment because he's evicting her. <laughs> so basically, she said he told him that she he just wants to get her out of New York and back to Florida so that she can't basically give her two cents on this case. And I was like, well, good luck on that. So that's what's going on in the former president's land. Besides the fact that he's out doing revenge tours and rallies to target the people that did not support him in his failed re-election bid um once again i don't wish him well or any kind of luck whatever happens to him happens to him and i'm not gonna be sad about it so that's that um also i want to say really quick because this is a political news commentary podcast that i do sometimes talk about um breaking news on but this week Bill Cosby was released from prison, jail, whatever he was in. He should have been under it, but either way, he was released on a technicality. It turns out that the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court felt that the original deal he had made with Bruce Castor, now if you recall Bruce Castor, he was the impeachment attorney for the former president the second impeachment uh the first attorney who came out and just was like we switched up the order because we didn't think that the uh, the other impeachment managers were going to be so good at this so they put me first because obviously i'm terrible at my job so bruce castor had made 
a deal with Bill Cosby verbally. Wasn't even in writing. Made this deal with Bill Cosby in which he was like, okay, if you, you know, give us a a deposition and you tell us what happened, like we won't, like whatever you say won't be held against you and you won't be charged on it. And so that's that deposition in which Bill Cosby basically says like, I would get quaaludes for the point of having sex with young women. I would tell modeling agencies to hook me up with young women who were not financially sound. And I did what I did. Now, he didn't explicitly say, you know, I drugged them. And then when they were unconscious, I had sex with their bodies. He didn't say that. But he did admit that he basically preyed on vulnerable young women that didn't have a lot of money. He got quaaludes, which is a depressant, which renders you incapacitated. You can't use your bodily function to have sex with women. Now, if y'all want to say that's not guilt, and a lot of you are, then I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. If I give somebody... A drug that I know is going to... Did y'all see Wolf of Wall Street? Did y'all see Wolf of Wall Street? When he took those quaaludes and they didn't kick in. So he took some more. And then when they finally kicked in, he was a hot mess. Now imagine giving one of those to a young lady, a potent one. Not one that had been in the cabinet for 10 years. A potent quaalude to a young lady. And then thinking she's going to be okay to agree to sex and he knew she wouldn't be anyways that's neither here nor there when he gave that deposition he was under the impression that whatever he said in that deposition would not be used against him and bruce castor decided because you know he's so ethical that he was not going to charge bill cosby and the years passed by and they rolled on. And I think at that time he did pay that young lady. But I don't know if it was her or someone else that came back and was like, no, I want to. I want I want him in jail. Like I want criminal charges. The money's not enough. They decided to charge. Another DA decided to charge. And in doing so he used that deposition as evidence against Bill Cosby. Now what Supreme Court of Pennsylvania says is that Mr. Cosby's due process was violated because when he gave those statements, he believed that they would not be used against him in a court of law. But once the new DA came and took up the case, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> they were used against him in court of law. And so the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said that is not okay. And on the one end, I maybe can see it. Um, on the other end, a lot of legal scholars and people way smarter than me were like, number one, there wasn't a written agreement. It wasn't a plea deal. It wasn't like he took a plea or a cooperation deal. He signed it. So why did Bruce Castor not 
get it in writing. Number one. And number two, why is it any different than when a DA from like years ago was like, I looked at this and I decided not to bring charges. And then another DA looks at it again and was like, no, I'm reviewing this and I think the charge can be brought. So once again, I guess that difference is that when Cosby gave the statements, he felt like he was just going to be able to say them and they wouldn't be used against him. And that violated his due process. But when you violate women's bodies and so many of them have came out and said you did and so many of them refused to come out because look at how the ones who did come out are being treated like I don't I don't even care about your due process laws anyways so he was let off on a technicality but he's still guilty (laughs) I don't care what y'all say the man's still guilty he should still be locked up honestly truly I hope but I know he's not because I think they said he's already starting like a documentary series or something like that to tell his side of the story. And I'm just like, could you be more disgusting? Felicia Rashad came out and she would support him. And the people were like, this is the dean, the new dean of the Chadwick Bozeman School of Fine Arts at Howard. And this is what she going to do. It was just a hot mess. Now, Galeen Maxwell who was the accomplice to Jeffrey Epstein was like, well, if he gets out on that, then I should too, because I did something similar. So, uh, like, it's just, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good week for victims. And it like really broke my heart to see that occur and then see people celebrating it. Like he was innocent, which that's not at all the case. He just was let out on technicality. The man should have been in prison for the rest of his days. He should have been locked up a long time ago. Uh, A lot of y'all have showed me y'all, number one, don't know anything about consent. Y'all don't know anything about the details of this case or any of his cases or any of the people who have accused him of assault or rape because you say the most ridiculous things like, well, why did they keep going back? Or why didn't they say anything then? People have been accusing Bill Cosby of these same things since like the 60s it wasn't like people just decided to come out in most recent days now some women did of course but it wasn't like people didn't come out before i think he even sued a young lady knowing that of course she probably didn't have the money or the stature that she had which is probably why he went after young women who were younger and a little more naive and didn't have the money but also People who had known him for a while and felt like they were friends and felt like they were cool enough and they couldn't even trust him. So I don't know why y'all do. (laughs) I don't know why y'all do. For some reason, y'all feel like it's just the white man trying to, to just vilify our black brothers. And I'm like, if they're rapists, if they're serial rapists, like what? Why are you even what? And then I hate that y'all say that because On top of that, y'all act like the only women that came out against Bill Cosby were white. And there were absolutely women of color and black women that came out. And black women who mostly probably are mostly the ones that are not coming out against Bill Cosby. Because y'all believe these white women 
And I know that there's a history in the United States of white women crying wolf and black men get killed, but this just is not one of them cases. This is just not one of them cases. Like, so that was just really a tough blow for victims, and I really felt heartbroken for them. I felt heartbroken for the women who were victim of him, but I felt heartbroken for other victims of rape and sexual assault because look at what can happen if somebody can violate you and then they can just be let out freely on the technicality or because they have money. Like it's just disheartening and it would make anybody want to not come out and tell people what happens to them. And that was just, it broke my heart. But once again, I see a lot of women still standing strong in their beliefs. I see a lot of people standing strong in solidarity with them. And I just want to commend them. And I want to always say that I'm always an advocate for people who have been assaulted and raped or any woman who feels uncomfortable in any situation because I understand how that could be. And I am here for y'all. And at that point, I'm going to say thank you all for listening to another episode of Did You Hear the News? Once again, I'll be here once a week, every Monday, except for maybe like in two weeks because that's my birthday and I don't plan on doing anything. But other than that, every Monday you can find me here. You can also find me weekdays on my Facebook page, Did You Hear the News? D-I-D-J-A the news on Facebook and on YouTube and Instagram. Thank y'all for listening. Bye.